Well, you're back. Or at least I think you are. Well, I'm back. I'm Andrew. Oh, would you look at the time? It's 11.35 p.m. I usually take a shower in the morning, but I thought it would be a good exercise to take one at night. As I mentioned in the last episode, I always run through my day in my head before I go to bed, but I also do a lot of thinking when I'm in the shower. So I figured maybe if I get all my daily recaps out of my head before bed, I can fall asleep a little bit faster. So lately the thing I've been thinking about a lot is art. I mean, what makes something art and what makes something not art? This is something that comes up a lot at work with certain projects or with my friends talking about TV and movies or just my daily routine. Like there is so much art in the little things that we do every day that I don't think we realize. Like having a well-balanced breakfast in the morning before you go to work or hand-washing your dishes after a long day to relax or I guess listening to music in the shower before bed. <laughs> but recently I went to the Salvador Dali Museum in St. Petersburg, Florida, and there was a Duchamp exhibit on display there at the time. Marcel Duchamp's art brought upon that idea of conceptual art, where the idea or meaning behind the art takes precedence over the physical part or like the visual aesthetic of the piece. I've never formally studied art, so probably a lot of this is not new to you. And I'm not really good at articulating these kinds of things, but I guess what he was trying to say was there was a lot more to art than what you see. One of Duchamp's most famous pieces is a snow shovel that he bought one day. And he hung it up on display and called it in advance of a broken arm, which to me is pretty funny. But there's something really interesting about taking things in the world, or Duchamp introduced this idea of like ready-made objects in art, and having it represent something deeper than what you see externally, I guess. But this show is definitely inspired by that. The nighttime, for example, has so many other meanings and feelings, especially to different people. And I'm trying to explore that. The art of late night. Anyways, I got some great guests tonight to help me explore some of that kind of stuff. Let's wait until this song is over first.
name? I don't know your name. This is the first time we've met. It's not my name, your name. Oh, Ted Johnson. Occupation. I was hoping you could tell me. That's why I came to your employment agency. But what do you do now? I work for Sandy's of Wolken. I see. Only I don't work. You don't? I'll explain. Yes, I think you'd better. I sell appliances for Sandy's of Wolken. Only they're so popular, they practically sell themselves. Oh, I know. I bought mine there. It's terrific. Only I don't recall seeing you there. Sandy's has all the great brand names. You know, and that's why I'd like to change jobs. Do something where I'm more visible, not the brand names. Ah, uh, this is your lucky day. I've got just the job where all eyes will be on you. What is it? What is a it? A knife-throwing act with a circus. Gee, I don't know if I could learn to throw a knife. No, you don't have to. Oh. You'll be the target. Oh, I don't think I'm cut out for that line of work. So maybe I'll just go back to Sandy's of Vulcan and not work at selling appliances and TVs, stereos, and next VCRs and stuff. Sandy's of Vulcan at 590 Vulcan Road. Okay, so my first guest is someone who was nice enough to sit down with me and talk through my sophomoric thoughts about art. My friend Rachel Levinson, who is a comedian in New York City, and she used to work at the MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art. So she has a lot of background in both art and comedy, which I think is very intertwined with each other. We get into this in the interview, so I'll just play that now. All right, I'm here with Rachel Levinson. Hi. Hi. I was thinking a lot about art, as I told you before, and I realized that you are like one of the perfect people to talk about this with, because A, you are an art enthusiast, yes. correct? Yes, correct. You used to work at the MoMA. Correct. And In so a non-art capacity, but my art passion helped me get the job you're just immersed in it all the time so forever yeah and also you are a comedian sure sure yeah i am (laughs) yeah you are (laughs) 2018 owning it and you you are a comedy enthusiast yes so i thought this was a perfect excuse to talk about this with you do you think that those go hand in hand art and comedy yes so i think they can Like, there's a lot of, like, bad art that's funny to art people, you know, or, like, bad comedy that's funny to art people or, like, bad comedy that gets away with what it is because it's, like, artsy enough that you pretend you get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think, like, a lot of art is funny, even if it wasn't meant to be necessarily, and a lot of comedy is art, even if, like, it wasn't written to be in MoMA. So. So when I Googled art. Great. Um, I see you did research. Yes, I did some research. And a good definition that I was pretty satisfied with was the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. That's it. Yeah. And that's comedy, too. Yeah. Good comedy. Well, well, how would you define comedy? I think it's, it's weird because we keep thinking of art as paintings and sculpture Mm -hmm. and performance art as like weird 70s dance yeah you know but comedy is performance art like you're using your words and your physicality no matter even if you're a stand-up that's just standing there staring at your shoes the whole time that's still a choice like that is art you're using everything in your body to create 
a direct emotional connection and response from from people. And it just happens to be, you know, one emotion, which is laugh laughter. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, I think some of the best comedy is like pretty sad. I don't know. Maybe that's Give just me. me. Maybe that's like depressed girl. But like, okay, uh, Tig Notaro mm-hmm. became even more famous and well known for her set Live. Mm-hmm. She recorded an hour-long set like a week after she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so it's really sad. And you're listening to her and you're like, this is awful. And the whole set, she's even going, guys, it's fine. I have cancer. Like, And there's something really sick and like funny about it. And uh-huh. she's really funny. Humor, the equation is tragedy plus time equals comedy. I am just at tragedy. Some of my favorite kind of art lately that I've been into is like Dada and like anti-art. And that is just like a rejection to like or almost like a mockery or parody even of traditional art. Yeah. It's weird because it's still all art. Well, the original data was like a direct like nihilistic response to World War One and sort of like everything that was sort of like bourgeoisie of mm-hmm. what art had become. And I feel like anti-comedy, like alt comedy has kind of become the same thing where half of the joke is that you're making fun of the type of comedy that would do well on like a CBS sitcom that yeah. like a lot of other people might enjoy. Yeah. And people find it annoying that, like, Young Sheldon, for example... Great example. Uh, ...is picked up, so much money is being spent on it, yet there are jokes that, like, are predictable, mm-hmm. that those fans find predictable. I'll yeah, and I way. guess, like, a very, like, good example to that is, like, Too Many Cooks. Yes. Is, like, Dada to Young Sheldon. It's still a direct response to something else. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so it's interesting because, like, if you take an improv class, like, one of the first books they recommend is called Truth and Comedy. Mm-hmm. And the thesis of that book is the title, which is if you're not emotionally honest, you're not going to have good jokes or connection or comedy. Like, I still love, like, Too Many Cooks and all that. So there, there is this weird, sad truth in it of, like, how exhausting it is to have all of the same 90s sitcom format being shoved in your face for 10 years or yeah. whatever, the, you know. So it's weird because, like, you think it is funny, but it's also, like, you are laughing in the face of something very how depressing capitalism can be or yeah. whatever the joke is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of data is, like, just causes confusion. And I think people don't accept confusion as, like, an emotion to have from art. So I think some people just when they don't get it, they think it they just don't get it. And, like, maybe the point is to not get it. Yeah. I think a lot of people are uncomfortable um, being wrong. I mean, that's part of it. Yeah. But there is something nice with not fully getting something. Like, that's why, like, Monet works or, like, a Rothko painting works is because you're like, whoa, there's something here I like. I don't know what it is. Maybe if I stare at it, I'll figure it out. But, like, that that's all, like, sort of a nicer visual color scheme. Whereas with comedy and stuff, I don't think people have as much patience. Yeah. Something that reminds me of that is um, this time Andy Kaufman was on David Letterman's I think it was his morning show. Uh, he has not been on television much lately. He's been, I guess, busy doing other things. Please welcome Mr. Andy Kaufman. And he was just talking about how he doesn't have a job anymore. And I got a call from my wife's lawyer. She wanted a divorce. And she got a divorce. She got the kids, the house. She got all my money. Things aren't great at home. And 
he went on for a little bit about kind of like how depressing his life is. I don't really have anything. Um, <coughs> and then he just started. I know this sounds like a cliche, but uh, if you could any extra money, that you have, I would appreciate it. Going into the audience and asking for change. I haven't seen that. It's and it's like it made everyone really uncomfortable. But it's stepping back. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's great. I mean, it's obviously a bit, but he created so much like uncomfortable emotion and like confusion, or they didn't know whether to laugh or what. I'd rather if you don't uh, laugh because um, I'm not trying to be funny right now. And that's really borderline performance art and comedy. Yeah, I think like Andy Kaufman's a great example because he also did stuff if other people don't know what he's done is he was on Taxi which was a sitcom and he like contributed to SNL back when it first started and did like certain characters but then he started doing wrestling yeah and like then he was picking fights with the wrestlers outside of the wrestling arena like literal arena and like on Letterman, he picked a fight right, yeah. and all that. And then he started saying he's only going to wrestle women because everyone started being okay with him wrestling. Like he kept pushing that boundary. Yeah. It's like creating this emotion yes. from this work that he did. Yeah. yeah. It's pure art, right? I think he's great. I think it's interesting because it also like this. Sorry, I'm going to go on a go tangent. Ahead. I feel like then we get into like this weird thing with that we run into when talking about Sasha Baron Cohen and things Mm -hmm. like that where it's like well context is half of the joke and are we okay with or who else Nathan Nathan for you yeah I can't handle that show (laughs) I find it do you watch it or Uh, yeah it's one of my favorite things okay yeah like I hate it when people aren't in on the joke but I I get it right it's, it's but hard I am to... so socially awkward anyway. Like, I don't even watch Curb Your Enthusiasm because that's like, no, <laughs> like that's just like living my life for an extra hour. So I have trouble with like situations where it's pushing people outside of what they know what's going on necessarily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that might be more personal preference than actual art ethics necessarily. Right, right. Well, for example, like Duchamp, the most famous yes. thing that he's done is that he took the like a urinal. Mm-hmm. He just like took it and just called it the fountain. Right. And people were, they weren't they didn't get it or they didn't, weren't in on it or something. And I feel like there's something there where I'm, you're also causing confusion and stuff. But like, is that it was that intentionally to be funny? Oh my god! I wrote down the most perfect quote for this moment. Yeah. I only wrote down one quote, yeah. and this is it. It was from Duchamp, and he was talking about so the Dada group started as more as like protesters to World War One. Yeah. So they took it very like seriously and politically, at least the German Dada did, Dada group did, but not the US. New York was like, oh, that's cool. Like yeah. we'll like climb buildings and put balloons on them and that'll be Dada. Uh but Duchamp wrote, he was like, when you're fighting, you rarely manage to laugh at the same time. And so it was sort of that like things were meant to be funny. Unless, like, he decided it wasn't a joke necessarily. Right. Which is really weird. Like, I found it a weird to be a weird quote because he's so much about, like, reproductions and ready-made and sort of, like, literally putting a toilet on its side sort yeah. of thing and things like that. But then he's stating that you can't be funny and productive at the same time. That's so interesting. And, like, drawing a mustache on the Mona Lisa right. is hilarious. I've done it before without even knowing that he's done it before. Okay, sure. <laughs> I, I have a video. I have a video that I made in like 2011 
And like in the video, I draw a mustache on the Mona Lisa and it was for comedy, but he did it. And it, what would he even consider that to be a joke or it was kind of like more criticism or mockery, a formal art? I guess we look at it as both. Yeah. But the thing is like, okay, this is where I get beyond my research and my knowledge of I think comedy has been so mainstream now, whereas even like you watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel or something, Mm -hmm. but they're very clear at stating like there is the artists that do comedy and you are a comic and that is not something that everyone does. It's like a fun, specific thing. And I guess a lot of people still view it that way. Maybe I, I just don't. But I think like back then it wasn't thought of that you could be funny and be doing something serious. Mm-hmm. Whereas now we're so used to like stand-ups being almost uh, like pundit, pun, pundit, yeah, and like being very eloquent, unlike me. And like we turn to them as like the truth tellers now. <laughs> and so I don't think back then it was like if you're you're either an artist or you're a clown. There isn't some weird in between. Yeah. Um. That's the thing with Duchamp too. Was it didn't matter what his intention was with the fountain or I don't know how to say it, but it's L-H-O-O-Q. That's the Mona Lisa uh, piece. Right, yeah. But like the intention behind that, whether he was like, I am just a trickster who's going to make you laugh or it's like, this is serious. I am going to upturn the entire art establishment. He kind of did both. So yeah. As I think a lot of people, are, they don't want to talk about their art because they want it to exist by itself. I think David Lynch does that a lot, almost exclusively. Yeah, because I was thinking about that too, is there's a lot of Twin Peaks where you're like, this is rhythmically timed as a joke. Yeah. Is this a joke? Yeah. The great thing about, especially Twin Peaks, the the return, a lot of his stuff he puts in doesn't necessarily have a meaning to it. And it's supposed to be interpreted differently for each person. So it relates to them more and, cause, and gives their specific emotion that they want. Like this could be comedy for one person and it could be just like a thought-provoking idea in another person yeah 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 i got into an argument with a friend i didn't finish the whole series just because i don't do all with violence and it kept ramping up anyway but like i got into an argument with a friend over it because they were like oh that was so funny in the last episode i was like that was horrifying like that's not there was one moment there's a car and there's this woman screaming yeah please man what are you doing we're trying to get home we're already late we're late for dinner. It's way past 6.30. Why is this happening? And that was just so unnerving. It stuck with me. And there's yeah. no context for it. I don't think it really returns like that much. It's just mm-hmm. this moment that you're already sort of shaken up. And yeah. then it just was so good at, I guess, like the comedy, like heightening. I saw that gun go shooting out the window. Her uncle is joining us. She hasn't seen him in a very long while we're late we've got miles to go please we have to get home she's sick i mean it made me feel something and that was like its intention right also you were talking about like let's say young sheldon yes a bad sitcom which i haven't watched so yeah. I shouldn't be talking. Sure. I mean, we, however, I mean, how I did watch the commercials a lot. Yeah. There's something artful about something 
like a bad piece of media. Like, and a really obvious one is The Room. Yes. So maybe its intention was not to be funny, but... It is. Yeah. Hi. Can I help you? Yeah, can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Here you go. That's me. How much is it? It'll be $18. Here you go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. And that is just like such an artful film because of how bad it is. I think it's that confusion again. Yeah. It's that like we don't know how to handle because a lot of it is nervous laugh. Like I think at least for me Mm -hmm. is it's like how does this human that's written to appear on this screen, how does this function? How does this work? And it's, like, so disorienting that you're just, like, this is funny, I guess. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's almost like you're just, like, I got to land on this being funny because I can't comprehend it. Yeah. Well, Duchamp turning a a urinal into a piece of art, is that the same as, like, a theater showing the room? Interesting. I feel like, would you... mm, I don't know. Because it's so weird because the intention behind it, you would argue, would make it different, right? Yeah. But, like, I really love the movie Wet Hot American Summer. Mm -hmm. And that's a parody of, like, summer teen movies. And I think it's a very well, like, David Wayne does amazing parodies. And parts of it are actively bad. It's cold. Yeah. I'm freezing. Do you want my sweatshirt? Do you mind? Okay, Coop. Now I'm colder than I was before when I said I was cold. Do you want my flannel? Yeah. Wow, this is cool. It's a really great shirt. I love it. It's my favorite shirt. You're going to have to give it back. Now? Yeah. There's a lot of continuity errors. Um, (laughs) They overuse sound effects. I watched it for 10 minutes without realizing um, they have a fart commentary soundtrack (laughs) that you can turn on. I was like, I don't remember this movie being so gassy. So I feel like that would be closer to what Duchamp was trying to do in terms of actively spending so much money within this establishment to make them participate in releasing and accepting and like like distributing it. Yeah. Whereas I guess the room that seems to me more like outsider art. Okay. Cuz there's two different ways to look at art is you walk up to it, you go, "I feel this. Let me learn more about it." Oh, interesting. Or you do like you have the notebook like I have here and you go, "What am I about to see?" Let me listen to three interviews with the artist. So that gets with intention. And but if I think if the voice, because that's like with stand up too, is if the artist's voice, if it conveys what they wanted to say, I guess that's all that matters. Yeah. Well, like an artist makes something, he or she feels this way. Right. Everyone else who views this art feels a different way. I feel like it's very clear what. Tommy wanted to say, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, because there's no way you can make that without actively meaning to. Yeah, so you're saying, like, we didn't misunderstand the film. No. We knew it was, like, made to be that way. Yes. And he made it without it being a comedy. And we find it funny. Yes. So, yeah. But if it was a comedy and we didn't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I, don't I guess know. it doesn't matter, right? Like. Yeah, like watch. It's however we. That's the big thing is it's however the audience interprets it. It's the way is what matters. Okay. So something that I'm really intrigued by is bizarre fast food items. I, like a, I remember when 
Friendlies came out with a bacon cheeseburger soup. Oh. And I just thought that was just weird. And I just had to try it. And things that come out like the uh, Taco Bell, the chicken shell. Yeah. Taco Bell, when the, they came out with a fried chicken as a shell. Yeah. Taco. Sorry, I assumed everyone would remember that. <laughs> that to me is art. And interesting. I, that evokes such so much emotion for me. Like this is something that I haven't seen before. Why? It's like confusion, like curiosity, and then like like I want to eat it. Is that how you quantify? You want to eat all the art I think, you like? I think art, <laughs> like food, is one of the purest forms of art. I think. Oh my god, you view Taco but, Bell nacho fries mm-hmm. as art. Yes. And the Whopper that had the black bun. I hate that thing so much. (laughs) It made people do something. It made people feel a certain way. Yeah. The Szechuan sauce was... But was that... Okay, so then... hmm, So the intention doesn't matter. I mean, obviously someone, like, thought of this idea. And, like, that could be art itself. But then, like, the outrageousness of the food. So I guess, like, I get... A little, and maybe this is like incorrect. Maybe it's impossible to do this. Mm-hmm. But I get, I want to say like nervous comparing things that are rooted the, in capitalism. Rooted in capitalism. Thank you. Like, because it's weird. Like, you know, that is like, it's like, how are we going to get engagement? Yeah. However, when I write a tweet, I'm not writing it because that's like, like, I'm not tweeting for myself. Otherwise, I just <laughs> write, keep a journal. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm doing it because I want likes. If I go on stage to tell a joke, like, I want your laughter. I want to catch it. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, it is different. But also, there is still, like, an inherent selfishness in art also. And, like, isn't that the ultimate goal is, like, you make money off of this art? Right. I dream of the day that I, like, can pay my rent with comedy. However, I'm also here going, oh, the, like, Szechuan sauce campaign is bullshit so i don't know (laughs) my brain's like imploding right now the kfc double down i think was like the product that it started it all it started it all i think we're at a point it was post supersize me everyone was thinking a little bit of how fast food is very unhealthy for you and mcdonald's started posting like how much calories are in each things and kfc went the other way and was like here's a sandwich where the bun is two pieces of chicken and the meat is bacon and they made a lot of money from it i i mean i assume it was pretty it was like a big news thing because they were selling it for a while it wasn't just like unlimited also like if damien hurst was like hey i have a new restaurant pop-up it's selling a sandwich where the bread is chicken we would be like, uh, that's like the most heavy-handed Banksy shit. Yeah. You know? Like. Yeah. And it's the sincerity that like makes us decide. It's I not. mean, someone made that up somewhere. It's the room of food. Yeah. How about just like the craze itself of like crazy fast food items? Can a trend like, be art? Because I feel like fast food, it's kind of like a meme approach right so it's can we create this wave and see what comes out of it so i guess yes because this is what mad men's about right <laughs> like yeah i guess yeah just because true. it's making a company money and made to cre- take your money doesn't change the fact that it's 
someone who's very good at understanding human emotion working to manipulate that. Yeah. I mean, like when Ikea sells photos and paintings, someone made those. It is art. Yeah. We're just being snobby about it because there's like 30 of it right in front of you. Yeah, yeah. And you can afford it. I think it's it's about time to move to the next segment, uh, a game that I call Is It Art? I'm so excited. <laughs> so I'm going to list a few things and you will give me yes or no if it's art. Okay, great. Only yes or no. Uh, if you feel compelled to uh, explain yourself, then okay. by all means. Okay. Uh, I'll start off easy. Great. Duchamp's The Fountain. Art. The Fearless Girl Statue. Oh, I walked by that earlier. Art. None Pizza Left Beef. Art. The Boston Red Sox. Uh, as an idea or the people? Like, is it like the group of... I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> you got to think about it. <laughs> I wanted to see your interpretation of it. Not art. The movie The Cable Guy. Art. The Double Down KFC Sandwich. I know you think you convinced me otherwise, but not art. A meme an older relative posted on Facebook. Art. An ant hill. The ant hill itself? Or am I watching a video of the ant hill? The ant hill itself. Mm, not art. Infowars. Mm, art. Times Square. Art. A rainbow bagel. It's art because I made that face. I, what face is that for the listeners? Oh, um, pure frustration and my eye twitched. That was an emotion. Yeah, I know. Then I was like, okay. Street lamps. Art. The Titanic hitting an iceberg and sinking. In real life. Yes. Not art. Fifty Shades of Grey. Art. A hot dog cart. Art. But only the ones that have the, the neon sign, you know, the LED signs. Yeah. yeah. An eye exam. The chart or the exam itself? The exam. Oh. <laughs> um, I keep giving you outs. That way, like, I don't think it's art. A label on a water bottle. Art. The water bottle. Art. Salmon. On a plate or in a river? <laughs> the animal. <laughs> the animal. Not art. Human emotion itself. Ugh, I'm going to say not art. Religion. As a concept? Mm. That was such a non-answer. <laughs> I'm so angry right now. This is art. <laughs> I'm going to say not art. The Pope Mobile. Art because I said it is. And the ham dog. What's that? It's like this. It's a hot dog hamburger hybrid. Oh, art. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen. Yeah, great. That's interesting. I said the double down isn't art, but that's art. Yeah, why is that? Because I answered out of anger for the first one. <laughs> Sorry, it's turning into therapy now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rachel, for being on the show. <laughs> Thank I, you so much for having me. I will continue to ponder what art is. That's what I do every day. Yeah. And I'll never have an answer just as shown on my ramblings. And that is art itself. <sighs> Thank you. I'll take it. Being able to talk with someone about this out loud was very helpful. I know most of my thinking is something that people have been pondering for a long time and written books on and taught classes on, but I guess I really wanted you to understand where I'm coming from with the design of the show. So I mentioned something to Rachel called the ham dog the uh, hot dog hamburger hybrid. My f initial reaction to first hearing about the ham dog was joy, excitement, curiosity, very much the emotions I feel when I see a piece of art I thoroughly enjoy. So my next guest is Mark Murray, the creator of the ham dog. I actually asked him what 
his title was before the interview. And that's what he said, creator. So, is the ham dog art? I think so. I recorded this interview a while ago during the development of this show, so I have to admit I was not as comfortable behind the microphone as I would have liked to be. I think you can tell by how loud I'm talking in the interview. Is that what I was going to say? Yeah, I think. I'm going to play that interview for you here. Well, let's wait for this song to finish. All right, here we go. Okay, so we're here with Mark Murray, creator of The Ham Dog. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for being here. So Thanks excited. for having me. Um, I'm uh, very excited to be in New York. What kind of food have you tried in the city so far? Well, uh, a bit of everything. There's just so much variety here. <laughs> and uh, we've had the burgers, we've had the hot dogs. <laughs> we're just still missing the ham dog bun. Yeah, yeah. totally, exactly. <laughs> First of all, I love this idea. Okay, let me stop here, actually. Oh, God, from the get-go, I'm sounding like Jimmy Fallon interviewing guests. It's a bit pandering, but I really do love the idea. I don't know. Whatever, sorry. I, I knew I forgot something. Whenever I'm at a barbecue, the person on the grill, they're always like, you want a hamburger you want, or do you want a hot dog? Do you want both? What do you want? And just the idea I can have both, one bun, yeah. it's perfect. It is. And the thing, too, is uh, what a lot of people forget is the ham dog is not just one style of patty and, and sausage. We've got an array of variations being made up across the world from Korea through to, you know, back home in Perth. I've seen a vegan one. I think it's somewhere in Italy. I mean, yeah. you can get really creative with a ham dog down to uh, any sort of meats and sausages that sort of work well. So, uh yeah, it's, it's a, a bit of fun, too, experimenting, yeah. for sure. When I first heard about this, I, I went home and tried to do it myself. <laughs> so what I did, I just cut up two hot yeah. dog and put them on the side. It didn't work as well. So No, we do get um, – we've got quite a good following. A lot of people always sending us in their uh, <laughs> yeah, photos of, of their, their midnight creations after they've, they've come home from a barrel. And, uh, yeah, it's good to see the people sort of behind it. It's become a very sort of a fun – Fun food in, in such a serious world we're living in right now. And it's uh, uh, everyone's always joking or laughing when they're looking at it or talking about it. And I love that about the ham dog. So for people who don't know, I probably should ask you first, can you describe the ham dog and then where you got the idea from? The, um, the ham dog, uh, visually, when you look at it, you can see it's just a hamburger bun and a hot dog bun that have been morphed together. And you look at it and go, well, that's just so obvious. The idea came to me a fair while ago was... I was uh, living in the States, I was down in Nashville, and uh, late one night I've stumbled out of a bar and I'm starving, hungry, and I've ended up grabbing a burger, and I was walking, there was a ham dog cart there too, and I'm like, I'm going to need more food. I think he meant hot dog cart here, not ham dog cart, obviously. So uh, I've grabbed a hot dog, and uh, I've jumped in the car, and I was being driven home, and I've, I'm doing the balancing act on my lap, started on the burger, and then I'm into the hot dog, and I remember saying to the driver wouldn't it be easier just to combine the two and then 
I think I passed out and I woke up the next day <laughs> and uh, the idea was still there. So I actually put pen to paper. People were laughing at me going, man, you're insane. This is crazy. And uh, two years later, I, um, I managed to uh, get a, a US patent for the design of the bun, uh, which now's made it the only patented food product on the planet. And from there, it's, uh, yeah, once the media picked that up, it was like, wow, and <laughs> right. uh, off we went. It makes so much sense you thought of this idea in the States. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very American kind of... <laughs> it is a very... And it was it was funny watching Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert. Dave went on rants about how it should have been invented in America by Americans. I want to mention something tonight that uh, is upsetting me. There is a brand new food that's about to make its way to the United States. It's called a ham dog. The ham dog is something we should have invented here. Yeah. How did Australia beat America? America to the ham dog. And they feel like they got ripped off. And I'm like, well, you know, I was here. So <laughs> they kind of, uh, I think that's good enough. And we're going to launch our first store in the US as well. And in New York City is going to be our first our first ham dog awesome. store. So, uh, yeah, so we're sort of bringing it home to you guys. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention this. The reason Mark was in New York was because he was trying to open a ham dog store in the city, the first one in the United States. I think the first one ever. Yeah. I support this, but I'm not sure he's doing it the best way. Well, I'll, I'll let him explain. Were you surprised by all the reaction? It was unreal because I did. I went on Shark Tank in Australia. Right. We've got our versions exactly the same as you guys, except our investors probably don't have as much money as, uh, <laughs> as the sharks <laughs> over here. And uh, they found it all pretty amusing, and I literally got laughed off the show. No one saw it as, as a business idea at all. And then I sat on it for a while, and then I thought, you know what, I'm going to make this thing happen. And uh, we did. We launched it in Perth at an event. And the public just went crazy for it. And since then, it's just grown. And then the media picked it up. And as we went viral across the planet, it's just, uh, I mean, we're in over 8,000 7-Eleven stores now in, in South Korea. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been an amazing lot of growth and interest. What kind of feedback have you gotten from people who've, who've had it? The feedback is has been really, really good. And again, like I, what I love about it, Andrew, is the fun uh, it adds to it. And for businesses that we've started to bring on board that are selling it on, on our behalf, it's just bringing them more customers. And everyone's looking for sort of, uh, you know, we're all looking for more customers in business. So with our licensees, um, yeah, they add the ham dog to their menu and away they go. Something I think would be great to have a ham dog at yeah. is... A baseball game. Oh, it would be the perfect place. I mean, right. walking the streets of New York City in the last few days and being in Times Square and looking at the volume of foot traffic there, you know, we're like, we've got to have our first store here. We're going to franchise ham dog stores across America. Though the last few days we've decided what we want to do with the first store is crowdfund it, but in a different way so that... Okay, here's where it gets a bit weird. Um, yeah, sorry. For me, the ham dogs become popular because I made it happen. You know, I had investors and entrepreneurs that are meant to know everything tell me that it couldn't work. Well, they're wrong. And, you know, for young entrepreneurs these days trying to get somewhere, you know, I want to give back. So we figured let's crowdfund the first store. The people that get involved will have a say in what happens. All the profits we're going to make from the first store every year are going to go back into projects, entrepreneurial projects that we can fund and 
all our crowdfunding crew that have been on board, they'll have a say in what gets funded and what doesn't. So we estimate we'll be able to tip in about a million dollars a year towards helping not just young people, older people like myself too. I'm in my 50s. You know, we all need a break and, uh, you know, I want to get, I want to do that. And what a lot of people don't realise too, six, seven years ago, I was living in my car, man. I had no, I had $50 and I, everything I own and I was living in a car. And it's only because of me now, I've got a Lamborghini with ham dog number plates on it. I mean, gee whiz. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there, there's a lot that happened there. I'm not sure kickstarting a restaurant in Times Square is a great idea. There's plenty of places elsewhere in the city, and Brooklyn especially, where I think people would go crazy for this. But Mark dreams big, and I guess I can't blame him for that. A good journalist probably would have confronted him with that, but I think I was a bit naive, as was he. But Instead, I grilled him on this question. What is the ultimate condiment for the ham dog? Oh, uh, that's uh, that's an interesting one. We've just had a place in Perth back home in Australia launch a version with, a, I think it's a Vienna sausage uh, gourmet patty, and they're using a garlic butter, um, ketchup, uh, bay, I think baby spinach is in there, some bacon, nacho, nacho cheese, and it's just like, and the feedback we've had on that, people are going, yeah, this is it. This oh, is the wow. bomb. So... Uh, yeah, can certainly get your mouth watering. Is there anything else I didn't ask you about the ham dog? Not really. Uh, I think for the ham dog now, it's uh, I think it's all it's full steam ahead, uh, yeah. and we're lucky. We've got the, the, another fortunate thing for us too: the the trademark, the word ham dog too. I own in America, so that's a that's a bonus for us. We've um, continued our IP protection now has sort of reached globally. You know, in the UK, we've got design registrations there, trademarks, same back in Australia. So the good thing about where we're situated is we offer a lot of protection for ourselves and everyone else that's involved that we've got something that no one else can copy. And don't get me wrong, there's people out there that think it shouldn't be copied. (laughs) I should be arrested for invented it. And then other comments, you know, people have been referred to as a hero on Good Morning America. So I don't know. I'm going to take the hero status. (laughs) So where can people go to stay updated on this, I think like everything these days, Facebook, follow our Facebook page and uh, yeah, you'll see exactly what's uh, what's going on uh, and there's going to be a lot happening very quickly. I think we'll, we'll look at launching the crowdfunding through Kickstarter in the, in the next three or four days. So you may be wondering, if this interview is old, what happened to the Kickstarter? Well, the Kickstarter not only failed, but I believe it was cancelled before the time ran out on it. Why did he cancel it early? It wasn't even close to reaching the goal, but what did he have to lose, right? Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks for having me, Andrew, and thanks for having us in New York City. I love it. And the people. Cheers.
So yeah, Mark's creation is definitely something. I mean, he said it himself. It made people feel a bunch of different ways. I'd call that art. I mean, trying to fund a Kickstarter for a restaurant in Times Square for a ridiculous fast food project. That's performance art, right? And he's tried other things since then. A few months ago, he launched a ham dog coin, which as you can guess is a cryptocurrency based around the ham dog. I still don't really know what that means. Last time I checked, he was still adamant about opening a ham dog shop in New York City. So only time will tell. But you gotta appreciate a good old fashioned midnight creation. That's what this is. So I'm gonna say that art can mean different things for different people. I guess that's something you could have guessed, but I don't know. Rachel didn't think the KFC double down was art. The art director at work doesn't think that what he works on is art. Maybe the person listening to this doesn't think this is art. You know, I'm just recording this show in a bathroom. But I hope this episode made you think a little bit more about art, at least. And I hope it inspires some creativity. Well, I think that's it for me tonight. I'm going to go to bed. Thanks for listening. Music for this episode was by 12H08, which you can find on YouTube. And I'll let them finish off the show with a cover of a Fleet Foxes song. Here's Blue Spotted Tail. Good night. Why in the night sky are the lights hung? Why is the earth moving round the sun? Floating in the vacuum with no purpose, not a one. Why in the night sky are the lights hung? I do all this waiting then I this frightened part of me that's vain to pretend Why is life made only for to end?
floating in the vacuum with no purpose, not a one. I in the night sky, are the lights hung? and